This is Thursday, November 16th. What do you think the future holds for you? The future holds for all of us. I'm told that not many of us spend much time thinking about the future. Maybe we think a little about our personal futures, but not much about where life is going for all of us. But I think this is good for us. When we think about the future, we can gear our lives. We can plan for what's coming. We can build expectations and live in hope. For example, my youngest son Nathan and his wife Brenna and their baby are coming for Thanksgiving. We're pretty excited about this. We miss them. And this gives us something to look forward to. We can think about how we will spend the days that we will have together. Now this week, we have been looking at Hebrews chapter 10, and we've been reviewing our church vision for the coming year. Vision is, in the simplest terms, talking about where, what, what we would like to focus on. This is important because what we choose to focus on will become the direction we turn and the way we direct our lives. Now this past summer, when thinking about 2024 and working to prepare, what appeared on the horizon was troubling for me. I'll let you in on a big secret. Pastors do not look forward to election years. People who may be normally fairly calm can become all amped up about the direction the country is going. Fears that are normally under wraps break free and rampage through the camp. How can we change this story? What resources does the gospel provide for us at a time like this? I want to go to our scripture for today, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 to 23. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, we have seen how in Christ we can draw near to the Father. We've been given a completely new identity as children of God. Jesus has torn the curtain keeping us from the presence of God, and we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Here is the second let us statement in this conclusion in Hebrews. We are to live in the hope we have found in Jesus. Well, what does that mean? First, I think it need, means we need to be wary of hoping in anything or anyone apart from Jesus. What is the source of your hope? Of course, it's tempting to lose hope in the power or superiority of our nation or a nation's leadership. It's tempting to hope in the financial system we have. These are strong institutions for sure, and they're important in our lives and in our world. But they're not our source of hope. We also may be tempted to place our hope in the resources we have stored away. A friend from seminary has been a longtime missionary in the country of Hungary. And I remember early in the days of his ministry that the economy changed to such an extent that effectively the nation's currency values moved three decimal places to the left. So imagine $5,000 becoming $5. That's what happened to them. Many of the elderly had saved enough money for retirement and even their funeral expenses, and those resources disappeared 
overnight. Now, I'm not trying to cultivate fear in us, but I'm challenging us to shift the focus of our hope. Our human leaders and institutions have failed, and they'll continue to do so. But God never fails. When we trust in God, our trust is never wrongly placed. We can count on the promises of God and the faithfulness of God. So our text says, let's hold on to the hope we have in Christ. As those early believers in the early church suffered persecution, imagine how difficult it was for them to hold on to this hope. This hope is central to our lives because, again, our hope focuses our lives as we're moving forward. Perhaps you've heard me tell the story of the reservoir close to where we lived in New Jersey. It was a natural place, uh, a valley, and the state bought that land and then planned to build two natural dams and close off the valley to form the reservoir. But after the state bought the land for a few years, they, they allowed the people to continue to live there in their houses. Do you think those people did house maintenance? Why would they paint their house? Why install a new roof? They'd have been fools to do that. They'd been wasting their money. The valley was soon to be flooded and their homes destroyed. I used to enjoy sailing on the reservoir that was there, so it makes a lot of sense. You see, our hopes will determine how we live our lives, how we spend our time, how we use our resources, where we give our heart. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. Coming to faith brings about a revolution in our hope. We now hope in Christ and trust that God will ultimately place all things under his feet. We know his kingdom is coming. Now, of course, like that valley, God isn't going to destroy everything. He's actually going to redeem it. And he has begun that work in sending Jesus. And we see this redemption in the resurrection of Jesus. And this is why we continue to hope in Christ. It's true, we cast ballots when election times come, but our hope for the future is ultimately in Jesus. This is how Paul, the apostle elsewhere, speaks of this hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Let's pray. God of all hope, remind us that what our hearts long for can be found only in you. We rejoice in knowing your promises. Enable us to rest in you and in them, your promises today. In your name we pray, amen. <music>